Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports F I'm Manny Dupain. I'm your host, Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose by a score of 122 to 112. Um, man, I, I think I think we've seen this movie before. I, I, let's just say that. A lot of common themes throughout this game. Um, certainly a very frustrating event, especially if you stayed up late um, watching this one. Right now, Eastern, it's uh, 1 a.m., um, and it's a Friday night, and you know a lot of people probably did choose to to stay up and watch this and listen to the coverage because you know let's face it we're all diehard Raptor fans we're going to be here no matter what. Um, but you 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 do wonder like what is the payoff in some of these games, right? This was just like this is a game like perfectly designed to torture a Raptor fan, especially because of how often we've seen it. It's not that the fact that they lost to the Lakers. Um, I mean, partially it is that, let's be honest. But the Lakers have been playing better basketball of late. This wasn't going to be an easy game. Um, but then again, you know, you don't have LeBron in the game. And, you know, this is still a relatively new Lakers group. And um, could you do something against this team? Um, and, and if there was an opportunity to steal one here, you, you should have taken it. Um, but more, more than that, it, it, the frustrating part comes from just the nature of this game. Sure, like lots of games in the NBA swings back and forth nowadays. But... When you watch um, the Raptors play tonight, and you see a lot of common themes, and I think it's that—that's the part that's gotten really old for people. Like it's just like, okay, you know, the Raptors are capable of playing good basketball for stretches, and we see it clearly, but they don't ultimately get results. You know what they call a, a basketball team that only plays good in stretches? A bad team. Like that's just, and we have to face it. Like that's what the Raptors are. Like we have to dash our expectations of the team being good or the team going into games and and having an expectation to win. Like, of course, I want the players and I want the organization to take that expectation into the game. But as a fan watching it, like, just keep your expectations low because you can keep them very low um, and you might still be disappointed. Like, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things from this game. Anthony Davis only got seven shots off, only had eight points, even averaging like 33 the last five. So they held him to eight freaking points. And all of a sudden, the Raptors lose this game um, because of how much their bench came in and dominated. And this is what domination looks like off a bench, okay? 18 points for Rui Hachimura, plus 21, 7-9 shooting. In 20 minutes, he was acquired um, during the trade deadline, okay, for some second-round picks. Um, Dennis Schroeder, 23 points, 33 minutes, 8 of 17 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 4-4 from the free throw line, 7 assists, 4 steals. I thought he actually had a lot of turnovers in this game, 6 um, and it felt that, w- that way watching it, but still undeniably a very good performance makes the minimum for the Lakers. Austin Reeves, a uh, two-way player for the Lakers, I believe, or at least undrafted. Um, 18 points, 6 of 10 shooting off the bench, 6 of 6 on the free throw line. Just did so many clever things, 5 assists, 2 rebounds. Um, and let me just read you some of the plus minuses. Plus 21 for Rui, plus 19 for Wenyan Gabriel, which one time did get me in trouble with Chris Boucher, if you really follow the history of this thing. Uh, anyway, plus 32 for Dennis Schroeder and plus 26 for Austin Reeves for the Lakers bench. And, and what that should tell you, obviously, is that the Lakers bench just thoroughly dominated the Raptors bench where the Raptors came out strong. They led by 15. The starters were playing great basketball. They were they had a great defensive strategy against AD. They were executing their plays. Um, and then as soon as the bench players started filtering in, the bench started giving up the lead. Um, it was bad when it was one or two bench players. It got even worse from there. And even though the Raptors had a 15-point lead in the first quarter, they only go up by four at the end of the first quarter because of how bad the bench was. 
Then the bench completely craters um, in the second quarter. Um, again, it's not just that the Lakers have stronger players off the bench, but it's just the Raptors bench just like, I, I don't know. They just laid an egg collectively, laid an egg. Like guys were just, you know, there's just so many mistakes across the board. It's hard to describe them all. Um, but if I had to sort of distill it into two main guys, it's Gary Trent Jr. and Precious Achua. For Gary, we know he's not going to contribute that much defensively, if at all. Um, and tonight, there were some embarrassing sequences where Austin Reeves have, had him sitting on the ground on not even a crossover, just like a jab step and then driving to the lane for a dunk. Um, but we know he's not going to give you much defensively. However, can you uh, get something from him offensively? And the Raptors are giving him open looks, giving him plenty of chances, calling his number, running set plays for him, and just missed everything. Like, I mean literally missed everything. Um, 0 of 9 shooting from the field. And look, listen, I like Gary. Um, you know, I've enjoyed watching Gary over the course of his Raptors career. This is clearly an aberration. But what's ringing on my mind right now is the last time I went to interview Gary and I asked him, what's one of the biggest misconceptions of your game? Well, actually, he first off, he's, I asked him about his scoring and he said he wants to, people to know that he's not just a shooter, he's a scorer. And also that his defense is good, not bad. I don't think that was true on either front. Um, and it hasn't really been true on either front since we've come off the bench. I, he, I know he's better than way, way better than what he's been showing off the bench recently. But it's it's kind of unbelievable, the kind of drop-off from production. I mean, we could think about it in terms of since Gary's been sent to the bench, he's been an outright negative, and not just a small negative, a big negative in all of these games, except for the one where they won against Washington, and he got to close out that game. But we're talking about one in five, right, um, in performances in terms of coming off the bench. And then, you, you know, you just had no offensive production from Gary. Meanwhile, you had so much good quality guard play, for the Lakers. And I'm not even talking about the best guards in the world here. I'm talking about Dennis Schroeder and Austin Reeves. Um, but they just thoroughly dominated you. And, and you just needed to... I mean, how are you losing the bench guard matchup 23-0 to zero to De- Dennis Schroeder or 18-0 to zero to, to Austin Reeves? Um, obviously, Will Barton really hasn't been given that many opportunities to attack. He's sort of there settling as a third option and he's not as involved. But honestly, based on some of these sequences... Involve him more, by all means, because like there's no way that he can't produce as much as zero points. But either way, he wasn't really doing much either. So Gary was the biggest issue offensively off the bench. The Raptors' offense just completely cratered. And then the second biggest issue for me was Precious Achua. And I think for Nick, that was probably the biggest issue for him, because he, considering he benched him for the second half. But Precious came in for eight minutes um, in, in, in this game, and it was all in the first half. It was all in one long eight-minute shift. Which, to be honest, if he's struggling like this, well, just play Jacoperto more minutes. But ultimately, okay, they, they, they played Precious those eight minutes. Just in the first quarter alone, and I've been doing this recently because I've been focusing so much on, on the bench in particular, but especially Precious, um, that I have like a sub-tab just called Precious Watch in my notes. And I'm just going to read you what I have in there. And this is just in the first quarter where he played four minutes, all right? So he played the final four minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, five seconds after checking into the game, he does not execute the switch and allows Austin Reeves to drive in wide open, uncontested for a layup. I think that was Reeves' first basket. I think that really got his confidence going. Um, he's been playing very confident basketball of late recently as well. If you listen back to Thursday's episode where me and Alex recapped uh, what to expect from the Lakers game, you know I highlighted Austin Reeves obviously as, as, as a key contributor for the Lakers bench, and clearly he was excellent. But in any case... That's not even just Austin Reeves being excellent. That's Precious Achua. Five seconds coming into the game, doesn't realize what he's supposed to do, switches off uh, his brain, and, you know, Austin Reeves drives in for a layup, right? Then Precious gets fouled, rolling to the basket. Good play. Goes to the free throw line, goes one for two. 
Okay, not bad. I'm going to take that as a neutral play, really. Uh, next play down, he switches on to Austin Reeves. The ball moves elsewhere. Reeves gets wide open in the corner, and Precious is just standing in the paint. He had lost him for like five seconds in that possession. Luckily, Reeves was able to miss the open corner three, but still a horrible defensive uh, possession. Again, sort of just like boiling down to a lack of focus, right? Then the next play on offense, he's trying to set a screen for for, uh, for Fred Van Vliet, who has the unenviable job of trying to lead the second unit. And guess what? He can't even get a good screen. Like, I'm not even talking about, like, you got to, like, drop somebody or or whatever. I just mean, like, set a basic screen. Just set a screen, stop, make contact with the ball handler's defender, and then move and roll hard from there. Like, it, it really is not this hard. But he whiffs on the screen. There's no advantage given. And late shot clock, Fred has to take a step back three. He misses a shot. The Lakers go the other way. They make a shot. So that's a six-point swing right there. Just based on very simple things, like you can't, you didn't set a screen. How do you, how is screening this hard? You just have to stand there. Like, I'm not saying like there are no nuances to screening. I understand there's like angles and flipping it and all this other stuff and like slipping out of the screen. But like on the basic fundamental level, how do you not, how do you screw up screening? Screening is like a, a God-given gift. Like if you just exist in your body, you, you have set a screen. So just do that. Next time, except no, next time down the floor, they try to run the play for Gary coming off a screen from Precious. Gary doesn't get any separation from his man because Precious, once again, doesn't screen Gary's defender and Gary settles for a very difficult mid-range pull-up. Now, of course, he probably would have done that anyway, considering that's just how he plays. But okay, that's another bad shot based on the fact that he missed a screen. Then, next play out, um, you know, the Raptors are guarding in transition. Precious Achua has Dennis Schroeder guarding, um, and, and he's picking up Dennis Schroeder again. This is transition, so you got to pick up whoever, right? So you switched out uh, to to to, uh, to um um to, to Schroeder. Uh, originally, I thought Precious did a great job containing Schroeder off the dribble. I was like, okay, well, yeah, he cut off the first drive, and then Schroeder goes in for the second drive, up fake, and then uh, Precious jumps into him, commits the foul again. Just a really really bad play, especially when you had him locked up in the mid range. Just stand there again, just like. Anyway, whatever. Um, next play down, Precious does a really good thing. He connects on the screen as in he physically stands there, you know, occupies mass, time, space, all that kind of stuff. Newtonian physics have really applied on this screen finally. And then Fred gets downhill. Guess what? Now the Lakers defense has to rotate back to him. Precious can then roll into that space, catch the ball from Fred, and then float it in for a short floater. It looks so easy, and yet this is the one time that this play actually had worked. Then the next time down, the Raptors get a stop. They break and fast break. Fred, you know, dishes it to Precious running the wing. Um, and Precious fumbles the pass, and he gets tipped out of bounds off of the Raptors. So no advantage given there. So uh, that's a turnover on Precious for not catching the pass. Uh, and then next time down, um, I think Rui actually had Gary in isolation or somebody else that wasn't. Oh, no, it was um, it was it was Barton. And listen, there is a size advantage. Um but Rui has, is trying to take a mid-range pull-up jumper contested with a man in front of him moving backwards at the elbow. And that's not even Precious's man. And Precious decides, oh, I'm just going to step away from my guy and just slap him across the arm and give up the and one instead of just the two. And look, listen, I know I'm focusing on one guy, but one guy in the span of four minutes cannot make this many fundamentally basic errors. Especially after a performance last game where he committed 3,000 three minutes and committed the same fundamental errors. 
We're talking about five seconds into the game. He's not switched on, and Reeves drives in for a layup. It's a very, very simple thing. It's very, very, very simple thing, and you didn't do that. These are all things that are within his control, and he didn't do it. Then, of course, listen, like, it's, it's, I would say the second shift in the second quarter, the, the extended shift in the second quarter was better, but, like, he just can't be that bad. And listen, Nick clearly sees this issue because in the second half, he doesn't play pressures at all. He skips them. But the issue, and I, as I keep highlighting on this thing, and the reason I'm focusing so hard on pressures is because there is no alternative to no pressures. Because if the, the alternative right now is, oh, let's just play Thad Young at center. And I don't know how often I have to say this. Unless it's like the Detroit Pistons in November, which is the last time I remember Thad Young at center working. We cannot be playing Thad Young at center. What are we doing? The four minutes of Thad Young plays at center, minus nine. And listen, that's what Nick Nurse decided. To, I'm going to go to Precious in the, um, in the second. I, I'm going to take Precious out and, and put in Thad Young in the second half. So somebody has to play those minutes. But Thad isn't the answer there. Thad isn't the answer there. Like, not at that spot. You can play Thad. You just can't play him at center. Um, you, especially, you especially can't. Anyway, whatever. So he wasn't giving you anything. Gary wasn't was actively giving you negative. And so how did the Raptors stay in this game? Well, the starters came out to a great start, gave the rap gave the you know the, the team spark and energy, and and everybody on the bench just dropped the ball. Okay, but then at the start of the third quarter, even though the Raptors are down eight, um, heading into halftime, the Raptors come out with a nine nothing run, by the uh, and take the lead immediately. As it's after like two minutes, the Lakers call a timeout. And the starters continue to play really well. And, and guess what? Nick Nurse actually plays four of his starters the entire f- third quarter. I mean, he took guys out for like 20 seconds at the very end. But that doesn't count. So four starters in for the entire third quarter. And I think Scotty only got like two or three minutes of rest. And listen, it was working. It was working. Not only did that 9 nothing run put the Raptors ahead, but the Raptors were able to take the lead because of a 28-15 to 15 quarter. Or where at one point... The Lakers were shooting one of 15 from the field um, through the first nine minutes of that quarter, right? So the Raptors were really able to lock in on defense on that stretch. They were able to take the advantage, and the Raptors, after being down eight heading into halftime, regain um, control of the momentum, and they hold um, a six-point lead heading into uh, the fourth quarter, or seven-point lead. (sighs) And then... And and then, you know, the fourth quarter happens for the Raptors. Like, how many times have we seen it this season, right? I've highlighted on the show recently where the Raptors in um, seven of their last ten losses, uh, this is, I think, before the Denver game, but the Raptors in seven of the last ten losses held, had held a lead in the fourth quarter, whether it was like five to six points or double digits or even 20 points at times, they've held leads in the fourth quarter and they just, they just blew it in the fourth quarter. And so many of those are lopsided. Like, Raptors losing the fourth quarter by 8 to 25 points, something like that, right? And today we see, you know, another example of this today, 37 to 22 in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, look, listen, you got to give the Lakers a lot of credit. Um, They played uh, a lot of zone against the Raptors bench. The the zone has been just an absolute killer against the Raptors bench, even dating back to last season. Don't know why teams don't use it on a consistent basis. I, I suspect after watching this, they will definitely use it. I mean, especially in a game where Gary's the only shooter off the bench, and and or at least the only shooter that they're running plays for. I'd say Will might be a shooter, but to be honest, they don't really have any plays for him whatsoever. Um, you know, okay, so 
if Gary's the only shooter and he and he's breaking shots and the rest of the bench is what it is. And listen, to, to beat a zone, you got to play with like high IQ. And to be honest, I just don't look at the Raptors bench and say there's a lot of guys off the bench here that are high IQ. Okay, maybe that's like an actual genuine, not even. I don't even like high IQ in terms of basketball. I just mean like awareness. Like, do, do, do the Raptors think their way through games? And for the bench, I would say no, absolutely not. Aside from Thad Young, who obviously the brain is very sharp, but the body, you know, is just what it is, especially not suited to playing center, especially after playing 16 years in the league, asking them to play center right now is just, is just ridiculous. But um, there's just not a lot of smarts on the team when, it, when you're talking about the bench. And so when they went to that zone, the Lakers just can, and, and they use it in the first half as well. But they, when they went to that zone, um, you know, it really stopped the Raptors in their tracks. I mean, I don't think it would have mattered all that much anyway. The Lakers, you know, were just scoring so easily on going the other way. And, you know, Nick ultimately has, you know, he sees enough, okay? The Raptors end up losing that advantage that they held going into the fourth quarter. The Lakers go up by six. And this is the play that broke me for the game. Now, to be honest, for me personally, having watched the Raptors, obviously, the entire season and covered them very closely, um, the game that broke me personally in terms of like I no longer have expectations for them is that that Bucks game, and and you know exactly what I'm talking about when they shot two of thirty from the field starting off, two of thirty from the field starting off right. Um, that was I think in January, maybe early January, maybe late December, one of those two. Um, that game broke me like. You cannot see two of 30 in any context of basketball. Like, I'm talking about, like, I should go be able to go to Hoop Dome tomorrow, see some sixth graders play each other, and they shouldn't go two of 30. You know what I mean? So, um, that game broke me. But for this game, there are always moments in individual games where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling okay, pretty good. Like, good things are happening. Uh, but then there'll be individual plays and games that break you. And this is the play that broke it for me in, in the fourth quarter, okay? Um, the Lakers are in the zone. The Raptors get a deep paint touch, and they kick it out. And they had shifted the zone enough where they had their two best shooters off the, you know, on paper, I guess, um, lined up exactly the way you want. Uh, Boucher is on the wing, and uh, Gary Trent is in the corner. Kick out goes to Boucher. Boucher is wide open for three. For some reason, Boucher doesn't just take the open three immediately, maybe because he had been missing a couple of other opportunities, but he doesn't take their first three, then tries to make the extra pass to Gary, even though there's one defender, and the defender was on Gary. The defender stunts over at, uh, at Chris, um, and Chris ultimately makes the pass anyway. To be honest, I still expect you to be able to make that pass and deliver it, but he Gets picked off, and the Lakers go the other way, and D'Angelo Russell hits the first of many bombs in the fourth quarter. Uh, And so instead of it being a chance for you to take an open three to tie, you have now given up uh, a three going the other way for a six-point deficit, forcing Nick to call his his timeout. And I I, I just want to describe that play again because maybe I didn't do a great job of it, but you have a two-on-one situation where you are open for the three. And you have somehow turned that into a live ball turnover going the other way for a three, for a six-point swing. You want to know why the, the Raptors bench was minus nine, minus 17, minus 10, minus 18, minus 27 in the case of Gary Trent Jr.? It's plays like that. It's a six-point swing when you have a two-on-one advantage. 
like a clear-cut two-on-one advantage. The defense is at your mercy when it's a two-on-one advantage. But no, instead, it, they go the other way for a three. So Nick Nurse brings the starters back in with eight minutes left. But guess what, man? The starters just, like, they don't have it anymore. Like, you know what? They don't They don't have it anymore. Certain guys were great in this game. OG and Scotty were amazing. Um, they had 31 and 32 points. OG was 12 of 14, including his first 11 uh, made baskets, which was just awesome. Had five steals as well. Did such a great job guarding AD. The AD only had eight points on four or seven shooting. There, this game 100% should have ended in me being thrilled, everyone being thrilled, talking about OJ Anobi as the first star, just a dominant performance. Like, he went into this game against AD, who was one of the hottest players in the league, and he outplayed him thoroughly, one-on-one. Like, we had plays where OG was take, hitting fadeaway jumpers and one with a flagrant. Um, we had OG catching lobs, finishing alley-oops over Anthony Davis. We had OG drive up fake to lift AD on the perimeter, step through against the help defender for a reverse layup going like, I mean, man, that was like one of the most, you know, delicate moves I've seen OJ Anobi ever make. I was so impressed with OJ Anobi in this game. And Scotty, wow, I love Scotty's effort tonight, was sharp from the get-go, super aggressive, making the extra passes, looking to attack, touching the paint consistently. And I love this thing about Scotty Barnes tonight. Got into the paint for those short jumpers. As I, you know, covered in, the, in in Thursday's episode where we're talking about the Lakers, um, Scotty should have lots of size advantages against the Lakers because the Lakers play small guys, right? They played a lot of small guards. And listen, the Lakers were able to use those small guards and play to their advantage. But that means that there's going to be lots of chances where Scotty has a size mismatch. And I felt like he understood that, internalized that message, and went to work and attacked right away. I mean, man, anytime he had a guard on him, he was going to attack, going in the post, drawing fouls. Or what I really liked, too, is just he would make a hard move and then just like pull up for the short jumpers. I'm talking about like 8 to 15 feet. He was looking for those. He was hunting for those. I think that was the first basket that he made too. And he was awesome on those. If you can do that more often and look for that shot consistently, I am all for it. I mean, I understand that like the mid-range jumper is not something that is, you know, a huge weapon in today's game. But when you have size like that, when you have the ability to play one-on-one because of the fact that, you know, the Lakers are selling out to cover Pascal and Fred and the pick and roll with Yak, you know, Play one-on-one and take your advantages. I loved seeing that from OG and Scotty today. Um, but I really love seeing Scotty take those mid-range pull-ups. I thought those two guys played phenomenally throughout the course of this game. And Yak was Yak was solid. Like 17 and 10 with four assists, three steals, a block, eight of 17 from the field. Like, you know, he wasn't asked to guard AD, but you know, at the same time, like, you know, I thought you know, Yak played his role as well as you could possibly ask him. I thought Fred did a great job of distributing the ball outside of a couple of turnovers to Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, I mean, 10 assists from Fred. I mean, that's good. He didn't force too many shots. He took one or two, four shots in the first quarter, but it's not even four shots. Like, it's like, again, like I've described it, like he's shooting the ball because of just how badly simple things like pressure's not screening for a play, um, can affect the whole offense. But regardless, you know, Fred wasn't forcing a shot, you know, the assists were there. Pascal had an off night. Um, definitely was an off night. I don't know what was going on defensively. He was porous. He, again, he just looks kind of like, I don't know, fatigued or checked out. I'm not sure what it is. Obviously, the offense really went into, you know, Scotty and OG's direction. But outside of catching and shooting for threes in, in the first half, I just didn't think there was a lot there from Pascal. Missed a couple of chippies in close as well. Uh, you know, once again, was sort of complaining, A, for the foul calls, stuff like that. Like, obviously, that's very annoying to watch. Um, wasn't anywhere close to himself. But listen, OG and Scotty were so good. And that was good enough for just the whole starting unit to be to be 
to be in the advantage here. But the Raptors' whole second unit just lays a collective egg. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, they lose. And and that's the thing. Like, I, I can't stress this enough, but a, a team that, that shows you that they're good in flashes is a bad team. Like, just please just, like, remember that. And that's not to say that the Raptors are you know, inherently flawed or they're inherently broken or there's there's players on this team that can't play better, you know, for the rest of the season or play better next season or find their roles or whatever or, you know, whatever. But I I would say the talent on paper is still better than their record. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, like, we have to abandon this idea that the Raptors are going to show us something. Like, we have been waiting all season. It is the middle of March. Like, the Ides, beware the Ides of March and all that kind of stuff. Like, it, beware of a team that hasn't shown you one solid, strong week of basketball by the Ides of March. Like, I don't know if that was Shakespearean, but, like, that's the reality of the Raptors this whole season. Like, certain guys can play well, certain lineups can play well, they can play well for stretches, but they just ultimately can't put together a collective effort. And when you looked at it, post-All-Star is the unofficial, like, you know what? Forget anything that happened at the start of the season, okay? Unless you're completely out of it, unless you're really banged up and injured, make your push. If you're if you're serious about it, make your push. And the Raptors have no excuses. Nobody's hurt for the Raptors, man. Like, this is their full roster, right? All the guys that are in the G League are in the G League. They're just down there, and there's no chance for them to come back until the Raptors officially pull the plug. They they bring in their veterans. Like, they're not, they're not even a young group anymore, right? Pascal is a vet in this league. OG's a vet in this league. Yak is a vet. They brought him in. Fred's a vet. You have four vets in your starting five, right? Coming off the bench, Thad's a vet. Will Barnes a vet. Like, the only young guys you're relying on are Scotty, Chris. uh, um, Chris is a vet, too, at this point, right? So the only three young guys you're relying on are Scotty, Precious, and, and Gary. And to be honest, even those guys. Like, Gary's in his fifth season now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to just say that like, he's just, he's not seasoned enough. He's just making young mistakes. Like they, they, they're making this push. They're trying and they just can't do it. And that's the part where it's just like, again, when you're watching these games and of course we're all Raptor fans, we're going to keep tuning in. We love the, we love the fact that, you know, we have a huge pride obviously with watching the Raptors. You know, there's nobody more invested game to game, you know, than, than, than I think the Raptors fan base. And I think that, I definitely count myself as very firmly invested, but there's a difference between invested and, and having like genuine expectations. Like this team, just, just let them surprise you at least, right? Like keep the expectations low. Like even if they're up, just again, tell yourself like the other shoe is coming. Cause like it, that's, that's the whole season. And, and that's my genuine advice. Um, and look, listen, it might sound defeatist. Like the Raptors play in a defeatist fashion. Like, yeah, they had a little win streak. I mean, by the way, their longest win streak this season is four games and it was against Detroit twice. Um, in Orlando and, and New Orleans with uh, uh, New Orleans not having Zion. But, like, th- this is the team. And it, it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen for them this season. Can they all play better? Sure. Can Nick Nurse come back and go to practice and, and work something out with the, the bench unit? Sure. To be honest, if, if I had my suspicions, like, I feel like a lot of these guys, especially Gary and, and Precious, had extended time in the starting lineup. They probably felt great in that starting lineup. They're in a rhythm. They got sent to the bench. You know, like on an emotional level, are they happy with that? And is that also tanking their play to some degree? Because some of it's so so like small, like mental errors that I'm just like, you know, you you do wonder. It's not like a ability issue. It's not like Precious doesn't have the ability to stand still and screen. Um, you know what I mean? Like every per- single person has that. Just because you know mass takes up space, um, it's it's a basic tenet of physics. But like, 
man, like what is, you know, like what is this group and, and can they put together something that, that really shows you um, what they are. And listen, if you're the front office watching this, like then watching these games and of course, like, again, like this is, some of them are probably away at scouting at the NCAA. I mean, listen, at least the Raptors didn't trade away their pick for this year because there is still that remote possibility that the Raptors just completely go in the other direction and, or not even go in the other direction, stay in this direction, keep losing and just get a, a, a talent to come in here. But I mean, even if you do that, which to be honest, at this point would be pretty prudent, probably would have been prudent at the trade deadline as well. I don't think anyone would have blamed them. Even if you do that, you still have to make decisions on the long-term viability of some of these players, right? How do they fit? Can you get the spirit back into this team? This play, this team plays with very little confidence. You can definitely feel like, you know, the opposing teams all come in. And sometimes you, you watch games like this, you're like, okay, how are, how is every team in the league hitting, you know, big shots against us? How's every team in the league have hot shooting nights against us? Well, it's two factors. One, you're definitely selling out to guard one guy. Like today, for example, like OG was on AD, right? Which again was a very creative defense by Nick. That was the focus of the game plan. And again, it's just him showing his creativity as a coach, right? But part of that sacrifice is now that not just you're having OG guard AD, but any circle screen involving AD, OG wasn't coming off of AD. Like he was providing zero help. And that's by scheme, right? That that's by that's by design, right? You are you are sticking with AD the whole time. And so because of that, the Lakers realized in the second quarter, oh, if we screen with AD, we have an open we have an open lane, we have an open shot, we have an open something because of the fact that there's going to be no help whatsoever coming off of AD. And so, you know, they were able to really ride that strategy and got their guards going. And that's really good coaching by Darvin Ham to realize that very early on and to sort of exploit that and, and really get his guards going, especially off the second unit. But, like, that's the strategy, right? So, clearly, if you're going to sell out to guard one guy, in this case, it wasn't selling out like two guys were on AD all the time. But it was selling out in the sense that you have one guy who's just not going to participate in help defense whatsoever. So you are selling out your defense in that sense because you are creating mismatches off of high screens because AD is going to screen his guy and, and create you know open lanes. You guys get the idea. Um, there's that aspect in terms of, okay, then other guys are going to get open. The other aspect is just like, there's a confidence thing, right? And when you see the Raptors, when you play against the Raptors, and you know, you, you've heard this from, from people who have evaluated the team, scouts and all that kind of, kind of stuff, it's just like, there is a very like noticeable we can beat these guys like there there is just like this like the the I, I hate to say this like and I don't mean those like as an attitude thing in terms of or or even as like a character judgment I definitely don't mean that but like teams look at the Raptors like losers man they look at the Raptors like oh this is a get right this is a this is a t- this is a spot in the schedule where we can get a win we need this win like the Lakers probably approached this like we need this win LeBron's not here but we brought in all these bench pieces. And by the way, the Lakers trade deadline looking pretty good. You know what I mean? Jared Vanderbilt, 5 of 7, you know, really carried the Lakers in the first quarter. Even though the Lakers weren't really doing well, Jared Vanderbilt was doing great. Um, D'Angelo Russell has beaten the Raptors twice now. 28 points, uh, 9 assists, including 16 in the fourth quarter. He's your Gerald Henderson Award winner. Uh, Malik Beasley wasn't great. Uh, but guess what? The Lakers have the, the luxury of benching Malik Beasley. Just like, okay, you're not hitting tonight? That's fine. We'll go with... Our other guys, right? Rui Hachimura. They got him for second-round picks. Boom. He comes in 16 points, makes his shots, isn't exploited defensively. I don't see the problem. You know what I mean? So they look good tonight, right? And this is without LeBron. So, you know, the Lakers looked at this opportunity like, we need this game against the Raptors, and we're just going to go ahead and take it. And the Raptors don't really show you that fierceness in extended stretches or that focus in extended stretches where, you know, you can prevent that. So, you know, this game does it's very similar to like, you know, even thinking back to when the Knicks came into Toronto and beat the Raptors and whatever. The, the Knicks are only one and three against Toronto this year. 
But that game, that game started out with Julius Randle just hitting all these threes. And I'm thinking in that time, I'm like, okay, this is lucky. But over the course of the season, it's just like how many guys come into Raptors games and just have all the confidence in the world. And, and and trust me, there is an actual element of that where you can see sense it with the Raptors. They don't talk to each other. They don't really communicate with each other. Even when they're trying hard, they still make lots of mistakes. You know the level's going to drop off when the second unit comes in to a d- disparaging degree. And you know what? This is the this is the result that we see night after night. Like, it's not just guys get hot. I promise. It's not just guys get hot against the Raptors. Like, how many games in a row have we seen the opponents shoot something like, what, 56% from the field, 43% from three? You know, like, <laughs> the Raptors can win the possession battle all they want. Another game where the Raptors had more turnovers forced, uh, 20 out of the Lakers to 13 for Toronto. Raptors got on the offensive glass for 10 offensive rebounds for five for the Lakers. Overall, the Raptors took 12 more shots. It doesn't matter, man. It just, it just doesn't matter. Like, the Raptors play in this way that, like, yeah, anyway, um, I guess you're not surprised. I'm I'm not surprised. Like, it's hard not to be disappointed after games like this, but again, like, you just have to reset your expectations. Like, that's the reality of the situation. Until the Raptors show you any sort of consistent play, like, as Alex is fond of saying on the show, like, just, just let me see one week of good basketball. And, and if you really go through the schedule and look at the calendar weeks, and this is probably, like, week 30, or not, thir- well, not 30, like, it's, like, probably, like, week 14, 15 of the season, um, and just look for one consecutive week of good basketball, it's going to be hard to find, I promise you. And so, you know, just like the Raptors are inconsistent in games, the Raptors on the, on the season are very inconsistent. So, anyway, your three stars from tonight's performance, it's a shame, really. OJ Anobi's your first star. He was awesome. Best game of the season from him. 31 points, five steals, two rebounds, and assists. 12 of 14 shooting, four of six from three. I love that OG drove in for the extra dunk at the end there. The Lakers, I mean, look, listen, it, it did break an unwritten rule, or it was kind of a faux pas. Like, the Lakers held it out, and, and they took a turnover on their last possession to close out the clock, and then OG decided to drive in while the Lakers weren't playing defense to get the dunk, and whatever, him and Schroeder talked about it afterwards, just this time he didn't flip Schroeder as he did in the bubble, but, you know, like, that's, um, th- that's okay, that, that like, I, I think OG deserved it, like, he played so well in the course of the game, guarded AD, again, like, man, I, this should really be added to, like, OG's defensive, you know, awards, um, roster in terms of holding AD to eight points when he's been averaging 33 I mean it's not even just holding him to that because he's not just shutting him down it's the extra work to deny him of the looks the Lakers were trying to throw post entry passes to AD where AD fully um you know had OG sealed and and OG was you know not in position on, on paper but OG would just jump over and collect two steals off of that I mean amazing stuff and also making a whole bunch of shots on offense like Wow, like it's OG's best game of the season. Not, not enough said. Um, Scotty Barnes, one of his best games of the season. Um, thirty-two points, nine rebounds, seven assists, a steal. Had to be had to be saddled running the bench unit at times, and he was the only guy who can get his shots. Again, I love the short mid-range jumpers from him. I want to keep seeing him do that. I love the approach from him too. Again, he took that fourth quarter approach, but he just applied it over the course of the game. Awesome, awesome performance. It just really ran it beautifully. And those two are also, by the way, give your best defensive efforts as well. Um, so, you know, salute to OG and Scotty. And then your third starts, Jakob Pertl, solid in the middle, 17 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, three steals, a block, eight of 17 shooting. I mean, it was hard for him to, to, to get free because AD was in the lane and AD probably blocked him like two or three times. But, you know, at the same time, man, Yak was still getting after it and, and getting on the glass and just doing all the stuff that you expect from him. I mean, the only issue with Yak is just like, I, I just wish we had 48 minutes of Yak, to be honest. But, you know, um, yeah, at least he's, he's, He's definitely way better than what the Raptors had. Um, it's not enough to flip their fortunes, but 
I'll, I'll take more competent players, to be honest. Uh, and he's definitely a very good one. So those are your three stars. I already mentioned earlier, Darren Hirose is a Gerald Henderson award winner. But to be honest, you could have given it to Reeves. You could have given it to Schroeder. You could have given it to Hachimura, like Vanderbilt even. I mean, lots of guys played great for the Lakers. But um, yeah, the Raptors just remain the Raptors. So they 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 wrap up the road trip going one and four. They needed this whole road trip. Um, they are now four games under 500. They're 12 and 23 away from home. Um, the good thing, the good thing is the Raptors don't play for this entire weekend. So you can you know, not stress about them for the weekend. They don't play on Monday even. So you can, again, just live a stress-free long weekend away from the Raptors. And then, yeah, Tuesday, they're back to play uh, just the Denver Nuggets. No big deal. You know, not like they're playing the number one team in the West or anything. And uh, we'll be back to sort of um, bang our heads against the wall when we see that um, in their return. But for now, thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, Please continue to rate, review, subscribe. And, um, yeah, enjoy a stress-free long weekend. Please, go with me.